The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. I'm delighted we're joined for the Culture Club today by Aoife Dooley. You may remember Aoife was with us recently talking about her acclaimed book Frankie's World, the graphic novel based on her real-life experiences of autism. And I believe since we were talking to you, not just a success in Ireland, but a deal which is going to have it for sale in the United States later this year. Yeah, in August. Yeah, really looking forward to it. It's really exciting. Tell us about that though. I mean, will it, how do you think will it appeal to the American audience? I have no idea. Um... That's, I suppose it's going to be completely different in that sense. Like the book is the same. There's a few pages that would be slightly different, but I have no idea. I think some things, um, you know, obviously the language and stuff would have changed. So like um, a school tour would be field trips. So I think in that way it would probably translate well, but I have no idea how, because I don't know anyone in the States. So it'd be interesting to see. That's interesting yeah. you even say thing like a school tour, field trip. Have you had to go and sort of Americanise it or does somebody do that for you? Oh, someone does it for me, thank God, because there's so much there that I probably would have had to change now to tell you the truth. So, because um, there's a lot of Dublin kind of things in it. Even for the UK version, I had to kind of go, right, well, are people in the UK going to get this reference? So it was kind of, yeah. I was which which sort of ones? Oh, I have to think now. There was like, uh, even when um, the woman on the bus, when she's giving out to Frankie and her friends, and she goes, will you lot ever stop or will you lot ever like shut up? Yeah. I thought that kind of translate well across the board. But I wanted to have her t- like saying something like, will you be quiet? But I just thought that it wouldn't kind of like the way I wanted to spell it wouldn't have translated well. OK. Yeah. Understandable. <laughs> All right. But listen, it's been a great success for you. Are you doing more books now on the back of this, are you? Um, I have another one actually coming out in two or three weeks, it is. Uh, it's called ABC Ireland. So it's my second board book. So that's coming out next. So. Okay, what do you mean by a board book? Uh, it's a, like a children's board book, like, you know, like a counting with numbers book or um, okay. an alphabet book. So it's made out of cardboard. So it's um, a bit thicker, you know, for babies okay. to eat on and stuff so they don't swallow the paper. All right, excellent. So Eva Dooley, Culture Club time. And let's get through your various choices. What we do for every guest is we ask them to recall for us the first piece of music that they bought and then we see whether they're actually really telling the truth about it or not. What do you remember first, fine? I don't even think I probably would have bought it. I say my mum would have bought it after I begged her because everyone else in my class had it and it was uh, Alice DJ, Better Off Alone. And I remember it because I remember exactly how the, the single itself looked. It was like purple and it had the black circle and then the, the white plus sign. I remember exactly how it looked. And it literally, I, I think I just played it so much until it broke. I honestly remember just playing it on repeat all the time because um, my mum couldn't listen to it anymore. It was a seven-inch single, was it? It was, a, yeah, it was a CD, yeah. Oh, a CD. It's a CD. Oh, this is a CD. Oh, CD. I oh, no. You can tell the age of our guests whether they're talking about CDs or whether they're talking it's a about CD, yeah. vinyl records. It's a CD. Yeah. But it would be. It was 1999. Let's hear a little bit of it.
your poor mother demented if you were blasting <laughs> that out all the time. I'm starting to think, did the CD even break or did she break it? Because you used to play it in the school, like on the school run every morning. And um, I think she just got fed up. She started buying her own CDs then, so I couldn't play mine anymore. Okay, I, it's actually, now that I hear it, I mean, it's 1999, but I do remember it, vaguely do remember it. Okay, let's move on to other things. So let's move on to your favourite music, your favourite band. Who have you gone for? Uh, Sonic Youth. Okay, why is that? I don't know. I got into them probably when I was about 14, 15, and I've no older brothers or sisters or anything, but um, a few friends I would have been working with, I think maybe in um, Smith's at the time, when I was about 16, I started kind of listening to them, I think, and... I, I just loved them. I loved the, the, the sounds and just the, the, it just sounds real gritty. I, I absolutely love that about them. And I love, um, there's a song that they have, Hey Joni, and the start of it. That's I've probably listened to that song like a thousand times. And I love the start of it because it reminds me of the motorway. I know that's a really random thing to say, but it sounds, I, I used to live just off the M50 and um, you can hear like all motorbikes and all going up, but like, but like really kind of echoey. And the start of that song always reminds me of it. So I just like the kind of um, experimental things that they do in their music as well. Just the different sounds. What we have actually is a Superstar um, cover from the Carpenters song. They did a oh, yeah. cover album called If I Were a Carpenter. What was that all about? I have no idea. I remember that song, Superstar. That they, it wouldn't be like my particularly favourite song, but it is a great song though. But um, I think... Um, my favourite albums from them, though, definitely would have been, I think, Daydream Nation or Sonic Nurse. They would be my favourites now, yeah. OK, well, the one we have. Let's hear oh. a little bit of Superstar. Your guitar, it sounds so sweet and clear, but you are not really there. It's just the Oh, same age as me. <laughs> that's actually mad. Okay, that's Sonic Youth. So, a favourite album. You might have gone for a Sonic Youth album, but given that you nominated them as a favourite band, you've gone for Enema of the State by Blind182. Oh, Blink-182. Blink-182, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, that's what I've been given. Okay, <laughs> Blind182. Blink okay, that's a good one. Blink-182. Tell us about them. Oh, they were my favourite band, I think, growing up. I started listening to them from about nine and um, I just collected all their albums and I, that was one of my favourite albums now because I just, I, I loved all their, their videos because I remember watching it. I didn't have Kerrang now personally myself because we couldn't afford that, but my Nana did. So I used to go over to her house and I used to record the whole day of just all these music videos and about like maybe 10 Blink-182 videos would pop up in the day and I'd just bring it home and I'd put it in the VHS and I'd play it then. 
So um, literally, I just, I love them. These are the um, days from video cassettes. Oh, just the, yeah, thing. yeah, video cassettes. She hadn't got a DVD player yet. Like, she wasn't that fancy now. But uh, the video cassettes and, um, yeah, my whole room was just covered in um, posters and cutouts from... Um, from different magazines that they were in and just even some of their album covers I hung on my wall. Like, so yeah, they're, the wall would have been actually, I'd say, a good kind of, um, I, 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 can't, I can't describe on radio what it looks like, but it's like, uh, it would have been a giant wall basically, just covered in all their posters. I was a hardcore Like a fan. giant collage. Of yeah, gi- of... giant collage. Yeah. Yeah, it was insane. I wish I had a picture of it, but I never took a picture. I didn't yeah, was have that one of your sort of one of your earliest sort of artistic works in some respect? It probably was because yeah, I used to draw um, them on stage all the time. So I'd be watching like Krang and I draw them when they were moving and stuff. I wish I still had all these drawings because I say it'd be interesting to see them again now. Yeah. Well, yeah. what age were you drawing from? Um, oh, probably as far back as I remember. I think as, so as soon as I could. All kids yeah. draw very yeah. early, but when did you start to get serious about it? I think I was serious about it probably by fourth or fifth class. Like whenever we got like an art project, I was very competitive with it. I always wanted mine to be the best. I, I put so much work into it. And it was the only thing that I really worked really hard on, I think, was art. So I think I became serious about it in fourth class. Yeah. Okay, well, let's hear a bit of Blink-182. From Enema of the State, here's All the Small Things. From Enema State, that's all the small things. I think you're the first person, Eva Doody, during the Culture Club to mention Krang. And I remember Krang as a magazine from the 1980s. I still think it comes out as a magazine, it, it does. doesn't it? I think it does, yeah. Because I remember I used to get it as a kid as a magazine as well. And it was, um, they had all the comic strips in it as well. I think the comic strip was called Pandora or something. But yeah, yeah, I used to get the, the magazines are great. I think you're still going, yeah. Okay, let's move on. And best gig, have you got an opportunity to see either Sonic Youth or Blink-182 in a gig in person? Um, I haven't had the opportunity to see Sonic Youth, but um, if, if given the chance, I would absolutely jump on it though because I say they're amazing live. But um, I think um, for me, Blink-182, it was one of the first gigs that I went to as well. Um, I think I was 11. And it's really funny thinking back on it now because um, I can actually see it still from that same perspective. I know I'm only like five foot one now, but I was probably four foot something back then. So it seems like I was a lot smaller, but um, I can I can still remember it. And one of the, the most uh, magical things I think about that gig for me was it was my first ever like rock gig, you might say. And um, I remember um, I was really far back from the stage. Um, so I was at the very back of it. It was the Tree Arena, the very back. And what happened was um, Travis Barker went down in this kind of, I don't know, it was like an underground tunnel or something. And he came up right beside where we were standing at the back, but we had no clue that was going to happen. And that just blew my mind. And uh, he threw two uh, sticks and uh, this dude jumped in front of us and grabbed them. But I nearly had them and I'll never forgive him for that. I don't know where he is now, <laughs> but I hope that you like them drumsticks. 
This going back 10 years ago, 15 years ago, just a small child. I hope you feel terrible. <laughs> <laughs> OK, but that isn't the best gig that you're going to nominate. You're nominating no. Ice Cube from the Kaboo Music Festival in Del Mar. Yeah, that was um, that was an experience because um, I'd never been to a festival, I don't think, outside of Ireland before. So um, we were actually going over to the States for a holiday and um, my partner has a friend over there. So we met up with them and we went to this festival. I'd never heard of it before, but it was one of the best festivals I've ever been to. I don't think... Why I've, was that? Were you at it? No, no, but why was oh, it? Oh, it was just, oh, it was just incredible. Everything was so big. There were so many different bands on, and just to be able to see Ice Cube live, I just thought was insane. And it was after the the, the gig ended. It was um, it, the party wasn't over. Like they had this big um, is it called an airplane hangar? Basically, yeah. like this huge warehouse where they had this joint rave, and just the the drinks. You know, when you get a drink at a festival over here, it barely does end to you. Not in this place. Oh my God, Ian. I literally had this vodka and they put watermelon juice in it. I couldn't taste the vodka. The vodka. I was gone by the end of the night, but I had the best time I think I've ever had in my life. Like just because was, everything was so different and new, I think. It'd be like if someone came over to Electric Picnic and they'd never been before. I think there was that kind of element of it as well. But yeah, I thought it was um, a it was really the unexpected made it Yeah, so it was. It was. Well, we have a bit of Ice Cube, not from that particular gig, but this is him playing Woodstock Live in 99. Check yourself. You better check yourself or you wreck yourself. Come on, everybody, come on. Everybody, just throw your hands in the air and wait for like you just don't care. And if you want to go rock with my nigga Ice Cube, somebody say, oh yeah. You better check yourself or you wreck yourself because I'm mad for your help. I come real still, dropping bombs on your mind. Walk on up. Okay, that's Ice Cube. What's the attraction of Ice Cube? I, I, I love rap music as well, so I, I I absolutely love Ice Cube. So when I knew that he was playing there, I wanted to go and see him. We were actually like we actually split up through the whole um, uh, festival because we wanted to see some people and then our friends wanted to see other people. So, but I was adamant I wanted to see Ice Cube because I've just seen some of his live gigs before, like on on you know YouTube or whatever, and I really wanted to go and see him. But I think one of the most um, mind-blowing things that happened at his gig was he said something about um, smoking weed every day and literally we were standing back and you just see this big cloud of smoke where everyone in the actual audience was smoking and it was in California so obviously it's legal but uh, I just thought that was so funny because you'd never see it anywhere else so it was, yeah. Of course, you're also from a generation that's listening to a lot of rap we know and maybe some bit younger as well. We have a lot of Irish rappers now, don't we? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I'm doing some really good stuff. yeah. I listen to like uh, all different kinds of music now. Rock would be my favourite, but I think rap would be my second favourite now. Yeah, you wouldn't normally put rock and rap I know, together, would I you? I know, you wouldn't, no. Of a random taste, I think. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, Eva Dooley is with us for the Culture Club here on The Last Word in Today FM. And we're going to come back and talk about television, movies and books and things like that in the second part of the Culture Club after we've had the traffic. Welcome back. Aoife Dooley is with us for the Culture Club today. Aoife, of course, is uh, an award-winning illustrator, author and comedian. And, of course, her book Frankie's World is one that we've spoken about previously. A graphic novel based on her real-life experiences of autism. Do you read a lot? Do you know what? I would be a bit of a reluctant reader. I was told growing up that I was a slow reader and by one of my teachers and I kind of that kind of knocked my confidence with it a bit. 
So I've only recently got into reading, I'd say. So it does terrible to think, isn't it? That it is, yeah. Your confidence would get knocked even by a comment like that. Yeah, I think that... Um, Rather than an encouragement. Oh, well, it was it was an accumulation of things as well. I think it was the fact of reading in front of the class and then being slow and people laughing at you, the teacher telling you that like you're not like a quick enough reader, all these kind of things. So I just kind of grew up feeling that I wasn't... Uh, good at reading or reading wasn't for me and it was probably the biggest mistake and I wish that someone had told me a lot sooner you know no reading's for everybody you just have to find your book and I think for me I love uh, visual things so sometimes I can find it very hard to concentrate on reading if I'm not kind of getting something visually from it I know um, you can see these things in your head when you're reading and you can kind of like imagine what these are going to be like but sometimes I like it just in front of me so I can see how it actually is and um, so I love graphic novels. I was just about to bring uh, yeah, up yeah. that because as a child, I would have loved things like the Asterix books. Uh, I don't know if you ever come across those as French books translated into England, but they were English and they were all wordplay and brilliantly done. And there's just something about, for I think particularly when you're young and a child, you can get an enormous amount out of seeing the visual images and gags as well with the actual words. Yeah, I think so too. And um, I think it's a really good way to get into reading for reluctant readers anyway, for yeah. like reading graphic novels or anything of that kind of genre. But what about um, adult graphic novels? Do you read those? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I have loads that I'm after buying now recently that I, I have yet to read. But um, one of my favourites that I like is uh, that, that I've read recently would be Heartstopper. That's young adult actually, but um, that whole series is great. And that is um, Alice Osman. She has, I think there's like four volumes of it out and um, it's basically about like this, uh, these two teenage boys, Nick and Charlie, and they're in school together. And I think Charlie is um, openly gay, but Nick is in the closet. He's not really like, he doesn't want anyone to know. And uh, it's about their story and how they come together. And it's a really nice story, I think. And um, it's a um, representation as well. I think there needs to be more of that in books. So um, that's something that I've enjoyed reading recently. And um, I really like uh, Persepolis as well. By, is it Mary Jane Strappy? Is yeah, it the Satrappy. Satrappy, yeah. yeah. I really, really love that graphic novel. And uh, what the beautiful thing about that graphic novel as well is um, it's a really hard story, but it's told so beautifully because um, you see her as a young child and by the time you get to the end of the graphic novel, like, you see her grow throughout the graphic novel but it's ever so subtle that you don't actually see it. the Iranian Revolution I think isn't it? Yes, yeah. So it's basically you see all these things from her perspective as a child and she kind of does you don't really even see it happening. She just grows as the book goes along and I think that's a really nice way to tell a story as well. So um, that's one of I think just illustration wise as well it's um, probably the most beautiful graphic novels I've ever read and given that you have done a couple of graphic novels yourself is that what you tend to read a lot of now do you? yeah no I love graphic novels I love all all, um, just anything comic related and it's funny because I only found out recently because obviously I only um, met my uh, biological father in 2015 so we didn't know each other before that and I only got to know him for I think it was like five days and he passed away in 2017. Crazy story. Not really anything to do with now, but sorry. Uh, he basically, um, he only read comics as well. Literally. He used to read um, The Viz, I think. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, literally, yeah. He, he only read comics. So it's funny. I think it's probably one of those things. It's like a preference thing or maybe it's in my genes because uh, he was the same. I thought it was really interesting. That is very interesting. Sorry, do you mind me asking though, you, you only met him for the first time, mm. had five days with him and then he died not long afterwards. Yeah, well, that that sounds really kind of uh, actually uh, 
dramatic. But like I met him in 2015. I got to meet him for the day because he was living in the UK. Then I went back over maybe a week or two later, spent five days with him and we'd talk on and off on the phone then. But because he lived in um, uh, basically... Um, the, he lived in, uh, where was it, Mansfield in the UK. Okay. It was hard to kind of get there in a plane. So I only got to meet him the, the, the once or twice. And then 2017, he passed away then from uh, TB. Oh, so it was like, yeah, it was really kind of, yeah. How important though was it that you got that time, even if it was limited? It was, do you know what? It, it opened up my whole world meeting him because there was always a huge sense of me growing up as a child and just even an adult not really knowing fully who I was. And the, the the moment I met him, it was just instant. We were the same person. We got on so well. We literally had the same jokes. We laughed at the same things. And my auntie, his sister is the exact same. So it kind of opened up um, a whole new family to me in that way. And then I just, uh, I'm trying to actually look more into the history of their family um, because I know my granddad and my great granddad came from, um, I don't know whether it's Poland or maybe it's Russia, and they escaped um, the Holocaust and moved to the UK. So I'm trying to find out more about the family history as well because they changed their second name when they moved to the UK. So it's uh, it's opened up a whole world of wonder, I suppose, in a way, but like in a really interesting way. So it's, uh, I'm really glad I did it. It's the best thing I've done. There's a graphic novel in that in itself, almost, yeah. isn't there, in that story? Yeah. What I age have... were you when you met him? Um, I was, I think, 23 or 24, I think it was, yeah. Kind of that must have been so emotional, was it? It was. It was, it was really kind of, I remember us getting the taxi together to go out uh, for the first time and we didn't speak a word, but we just kept looking at each other because we didn't know what to say because we'd never seen each other before, really. We, talk, we talked on the phone, of course, but um, hadn't met each other in person and because he didn't have Facebook or anything, I didn't really know what he looked like. So that was such a shock when I seen him because we were the exact same. How, how did the meeting come about at that stage? Um, it was really funny. I'd been talking about it for years and um, my auntie just said, hey, have you ever seen this website it's called finder monkey and I was like no and um, she's like I'll look into it so I did and I contacted them saying I'm looking for my father Um, this is his name I think he's probably born in and around this time he was the same age as my mom I don't really know where he lived I know he, he's from London and he basically lived in this place and I gave the name of one place the, the road that he lived on and with that information they were able to find him and track him down and it took about I'd say five weeks and then we were able to to make contact, just and, like that. And it all worked out well. It, it worked out very well for me. Yeah, so I was delighted because it could have went either way. And that's the kind of worry when you're doing something like that. Sometimes it doesn't go well. You hear about people like slamming the door on people's faces and stuff like that, and awful things. So I think the fact that we got to speak before I'd done that and went over it was nice. So I kind of had the, um, he, he really wanted to meet me. I knew that going over then. So that was a really nice way of doing it. And they made the initial contact as well because. Uh, um, I was afraid to just call up and go, hey, you're my dad. I just thought that'd be a shocking thing to say. So it was nice that I had that option as well. Yeah. And you were able to show him your work as well. Yeah, I, I actually, I think my very, very first book had just come out. So he got to see that. But uh, that was really nice because uh, my mom obviously didn't get to see any of this. So it was nice to share that one thing then with my dad. So So your mother has passed away? Yeah, she passed away. I think it was um, four years before him. So 2013. Okay. So yeah. Wow, sorry, this is not where I expected to be going oh, no, with Culture no. Club. But sorry, sorry. No, no, just no don't it. be yeah, sorry. Yeah. It's really, really interesting. And uh, wow, that is really interesting. Okay, look, let's talk about other things. Um, favourite movie? Favourite movie? Oh, um, I think Napoleon Dynamite for me. 
I th- I know it's an odd choice, but um, why do you I, think it's an odd choice? I think it's an odd choice because it kind of to me it's a it's very much an indie movie, and it's it's a peculiar choice because I don't think it's for everybody, and mm. I know this because describe it to us. How would I describe Napoleon Dynamite? It's it's it, it's about basically a movie about um, Middle America, I'd say, and it's about this kid called Napoleon Dynamite. He's basically a bit of a, a dork, I'd say, and it just follows his life living in middle America and it's it's a very kind of it's very I love all these kind of like movies where they're kind of it's not bland I think that's a very bad way to describe it but like it's there's not really anything in particular that happens in the movie it just follows his life and his friends and uh, the prom at the end and I just I just like the visuals of it I love the colour of the lockers. I just remember like all those little aspects of the movie as well. His uncle's trailer, like all these things. It's a very um, uh, aesthetically pleasing movie to watch, I think. But um, my parents uh, absolutely hate that. My uh, mum's stepdad hated it because I watched it all the time as well and I just didn't get it. It wasn't for them. I feel like it was wasted on them because I thought it was such a good movie. Okay, let's hear a clip from it. Uh, John Hedner and Aaron Rule in Napoleon Dynamite. Kip hasn't done flipping anything today. Look, tonight me and your... Kip, listen. What? Tonight me and your aunt are going to go visit some friends and we're not going to be back till tomorrow. We're getting a little low on steak, so I got Lyle coming over tomorrow to take care of it. Well, what's there to eat? Knock it off, Napoleon. Make yourself a dang quesadilla. Fine. I'll be back tomorrow. Stay home and eat all the freaking chips, Kip. Napoleon, don't be jealous that I've been chatting online with babes all day. Besides, we both know I'm training to become a cage fighter. Since when, Kip? You have the worst reflexes of all time. Try and hit me, Napoleon. What? I said come down here and see what happens if you try and hit me. Such an idiot. Let me see what your best move is. I'll go get it. Jeez. <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite. I see as well, though, that you love the 80s Brat Pack movies, most of which were made before you were even born. Yeah, I, I love all those movies as well. Sixteen Candles, Pretty in Pink. I used to watch them all the time. Yeah. All on the VHS, is it? No, it wasn't yeah. actually. I think it was um, whenever they were on the TV and then... Yeah, I think my mum might have had like a few, um, not DVDs, but VHSs of it actually, yeah. Because uh, there was one or two we didn't have that we'd watch on TV and we would record it then when we actually got the chance to do that, when uh, the future came. But um, yeah, no, I love all those movies as well. And then I think it's for the aesthetic as well. I think that's why I like it as well. The visuals. Um, why, what particular visuals are attractive to I you? Think it's, I think it's, number one, the fashion. Definitely the fashion. And then also just... Just the, the the visuals and the architecture of things. So like the school in um the Breakfast Club, just the layout of it. I I I find like I don't even watch these movies. I just watch them for the things that are in them. I'm like that looks so cool. But um, where they went to have detention. It's, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I'm just looking around at everything, like taking it all in. And um, I think it's pretty and pink. I really like as well the record store. I absolutely. I wish that that existed here now. It just looks amazing. All those little things. I think yeah. Let's move on to television. You've nominated a couple of TV shows that I'm actually not familiar with. Uh, Claws, 
and Peacemaker. Start with claws. Tell us about that. Well, these are, I, I don't know if I answered this right for you now because these are relatively new shows. But That's I can fine. Tell if, you, they're, uh, if they're the ones that you're really into. Yeah. You know. I watched so much so I was just thinking what's the last thing I really enjoyed and for me it has to be Claws. Um, Claws was honestly like it was one of those things where I, I think if all four seasons had been out, I probably would have watched it in Binge two days. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. It was just one of those shows. But what's and it about? It's about basically, um, it's about this woman called Desna and she owns this nail salon and all her friends work there. So she has a friend called Jen, Polly and um, there's another girl who comes into it then a bit later. But basically, um, they're all working there and they end up working for, um, do you know your man? Um, do you ever watch Breaking Bad? Yeah, yeah. So, um, what's your man's name? I can't remember his name. Um, well, well, there's not Bob Brian o- Cranston, but the, 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 Bob the, the, Odenkirk, who played in Better Call Saul. The, who was know. who was the DEA agent? His his uh, his brother-in-law. I can't remember. his Oh name. yes, who was also in uh, the Shield. Um, I know exactly who the the very bald, heavy guy. Yes, Dean something his name is. Yeah, like, it'll come back yeah. to you, but I know but exactly who you mean. Yeah. He basically is in it, but he's a gangster in it, and he's part of like um, it's like a Dixie Mafia type Dean thing. Norris, I'm that's just it. told. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So um, yeah, he's in it, but it's hilarious. He plays this like gangster, and he goes around with like literally one acrylic nail on his baby finger, and he goes around pointing at people like he's just an absolute character in it. But basically, he gets them laundering money through this nail salon and he has them kind of hooked where they can't get out of it and then they kind of step it up and it, things get out of hand and it's just full of drama and every episode is like there's something going on. We have a clip from it. What are you doing? She's ripping up a check. Are you blind too? I don't understand. This was all worked out. We had a deal. 50000 is only a fraction of her dead husband's take. So y'all are lying. Busted. See, I know you're making bank up in here. And I came to get my piece. I can assure you, your buyout was extremely generous. You're laundering two million a month through the casino. The beautiful thing is, I don't care. As long as we get 50% of what y'all are pulling in. You are walking into a world of pain, sweetheart. Hey, watch it, asshole. We'll give you half a million to walk. Plus Valentino purses for all of you. <gasps> the Garavani one with the silver studs? Ooh, Desna, can we talk about this? Settle. Just, okay. Me and my girls ain't going nowhere, bitch. But we will take them back. Okay, got me interested. That's Claus. And tell us about Peacemaker. Uh, Peacemaker is a new one out with uh, DC. It's, um, I think that one is on, um, I think that might be on Disney. I'm not too sure. Oh no, it's not actually. I actually cut that out because I think it's actually it's Marvel. A, it's a DC Comics one, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah, I think Marvel's with Disney. Oh, I'll, I'll probably that get shot matter. for that now. Whatever. It's somewhere. <laughs> it's yeah. It's somewhere. But Peacemaker is great. Uh, John Cena is um, the main character in it, and he plays um, this superhero called P- the Peacemaker. And um, it's without giving anything away. Um, his dad is also a superhero, and uh, but he's evil, and it's. There's only eight episodes, but it's basically like he gets out of prison and he's he gets assigned to this kind of um secret assignment to try and like take out like all these evil people. Basically, they're called butterflies, but uh, it's mixed full of humor and action, which is great. And I actually, you know what, I wouldn't be John Cena's biggest like fan. Like I think he's like a, an amazing person, but like in movies and stuff, like I wouldn't be like, oh, he's amazing. But he actually totally nailed. I think this role, he was perfect for it, and he has a, a little sidekick eagle called. Eagly, um, which okay. is yeah, it's really good. 
All right, look, we're out of time. Aoife Dooley, thank you so much for joining us for the Country Club. Aoife's most recent book, which has got uh, enormous praise and rightly so, is Frankie's World. Uh, thank you very much, Aoife, for being with us. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today and-